Okay, welcome to Tropes and Tabletops Fate Reforge Special Edition. I'm John Dammit, joined with our DM, Andrew Edwards. We're going to be walking through the world of Aaliyah and the world that he created. Andrew, tell us what we're looking at. Hey, John. So this is the map that I created for the continent. This would probably be about the size of the continental U.S., maybe a little bit of Canada in there too, but it's a rather large continent. Say so probably would take a few months to get all the way from East coast to West coast. But I was inspired by a few works of fiction, mainly uh, wheel of time, Lord of the Rings, even some uh, stormlight archives in populating the world with different types of ethnic cultures. So maybe in one part of the world, say Elysia, it is more of your typical medieval fantasy where it's knights and castles. Maybe over on the far east side, you've got the realms of the Kagero, which are your Japanese style ninjas and monks who are like way of the shadow and stuff. And the Brune Empire is kind of like this big domineering empire that uses a lot of technology and cutting edge magic and stuff. And they are expansive because of the power. And so I wanted to play around with like, if all of these creative cultures that are all over our world and, and fictional worlds were just kind of mashed together on one continent, what would happen? What would be the interactions and stuff? So I had a lot of fun creating it. So this isn't any based on any D and D materials. This is all from the dome, from the, the brain of Andrew Edwards. That's right. Yeah. If you look at the actual map of like the sword coast, which is where most of the official D and D works happen, it's, it's a tiny little sliver of like the continent. And then the rest of the entire continent is called the forgotten realms. And so rather than trying to say like, okay, well, this is, you know, I have to memorize all of these places that are in a book that I didn't write and I have no influence over. I wanted to try and create my own world where it was, Hey, maybe you know, this similarity in this real world thing, because they act like this in this world. So I wanted people to be able to associate more of like a relatability, like, Oh, I know that culture. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see that in the real life. And so, Oh, so in a fantasy setting, this is what it would look like. So I don't want to ask too much in this session. And the reason why is because I'm actually a player in this campaign. And I know that there's going to be some things that are going to be slowly revealed. So why don't you take us through what we've already learned a little bit about the world of Eliah? Elia, there's been some debate in our group of how to pronounce your world. Yeah, the name that came to me was Elia. So... I've always stuck with it, and I believe it was uh, a few of our team members who were like, oh, it's Ilya, and I'm like, no, no, it's it's definitely, like, Elia. so. <clears throat> and I and I added on the Elia, or Elia. <laughs> yeah. I can't it's remember. It's fine. It's fine. Elia is what I did. I put, like, an extra accent on it. Regardless, you've got a little bit of history here. Could you, could you take us a little bit through the history of this world? Absolutely. So... 
the citizens of the town of Braven, which is where our heroes are from, are here in the northeast corner of the kingdom of Elysia. So in this area right over here, this green marker is actually the town of Braven. So from the stories that they are told when they were children growing up was mainly of the, the most recent continent spanning conflict, which was the Brune Empire's conquest of the continent that happened 150 years ago. The kingdoms of Elysia, the Republic of Lamora, and eventually some help from the other West Coast style west coast side of things kind of chipped in once they realized like hey we actually have a chance yeah sure we'll help out uh, but Elysio and Lamora were the two kingdoms in that war that really held off the invading forces and they did so by using the natural barriers of the mountains the uh, northern passageway through the middle kingdoms was really the only way that they could be invaded because the center of the continent is untamable. There are inhospitable sections of the middle of the continent that are not very friendly to civilization. Uh, if you want to think about it, it would probably be like the real world equivalent of say like the Midwest where it's just oceans of just grass. There's no shelter from the wind there are terrible storms there are all kinds of just natural things out to get you not on not to mention all the the monsters because there's nobody out there taming them and putting them down so they are just running rampant in the middle of the continent So the shape, so, the shape of the continent isn't really like a, well, we're going to have a big crazy spot in the middle and everybody else comes around. But the reason why most of the countries or nations are where they are is, is for a specific reason. So the center of the continent is vast and untamable. However, the coastal regions and the more agriculturally stable regions are where people populated. So as we start to play more, we're definitely in the kingdom of Alicia. Uh, nowhere going to be near the world's eye, maybe. Listen, we've read enough fantasy books. I feel like just having that name, the world's eye, some stuff's going to go down there. <laughs> at some point in time, there, uh, something's going to go down at the world's eye. I, I like the fact that you put forth having a map. If I'm getting to a new fantasy series, well, it's it started with Tolkien. I want to open up and look at that first page and see the map oh, before yeah. before it opens because I want to visualize where I'm at, what's going on, and know the regions. Because if you just say to the east, um, it's Gondor, then over here is different areas. Having that laid out, okay, that's where the characters are all right down the yeah. story. That's yeah, if a helpful. fantasy book that I'm starting to read doesn't have a map, I usually don't read it. I'm like, well, that was a, a nice try, but put a map in next time. Maybe you'll get me. Because I'm always going back to it. You know, when I'm reading the Stormlight Archives and they're talking about having somebody over here in this section, I'm like flipping back to that map. Like, okay, wait a second. Where is? Ah, oh, yes. Okay, I see now. So, 
in the will of time oh, yeah. was also one of those that robert jordan i mean you can see it's right here that's the first shelf that you're seeing is pretty much will of time and a few more couldn't even get them all there that you get four or five books in like jordan has them like on another side mm -hmm. of the world and you don't fully realize how distant they are oh, yeah. from their humble beginning humble origins until you actually see that played out but what we'll do here we're going to take a quick pause and when we come back we're going to go into the history of some of the heroes of this world so stay tuned guys and welcome back to our exploration of the world of elia our homebrewed landscape for our 5e dnd campaign join again with our dm Andrew Edwards. Hello. Now, Andrew, you're going to take us through a little bit of history. We had some of the history of the world of the map. Now we're going to cover a little bit of the history of some of the heroes and the legends of this world. Yeah, that's right. A lot of this campaign has to do with the repercussions of the major global conflict that happened 150 years ago. So as a good starting point to the introduction to the lore of recent history, I felt like talking about some of the central figures of the conflict would really help ease our listeners into kind of understanding the world where our heroes are currently living in a little better. So you have somebody on the screen here, Elon, the legend, the name that conjures miracles. So who is Elon? So Elon was the what you would picture as your standard Dungeons and Dragons human fighter. So everybody has that backstory whenever they're trying to create characters of like, uh, I want my guy to rise from nothing and become the hero and save the day and win the war and get the girl and, and all this stuff. Like that's, that's kind of your here it's the, the the standard hero's yeah, journey it's the trope. hero's journey trope and i'm like yeah. okay well i don't want any of my characters to be that way but it's a good uh character to have in a campaign because that has consequences on the world itself yeah. so if, if there's anybody in this world that was the level 20 human fighter with amazing sword skills it was Elon. So why does his name, why does his name conjure miracles? So I drew that, that particular phrase from a uh, inspiration of mine, which was the novelization of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. There was a line in there that talked about how whenever Anakin and Obi-Wan showed up, it was like, oh, well, this, you know, is the worst situation possible, but hey. Anakin's here, so we're all right. And that whole like hero mentality of like, this is the impact that a real life hero in that world would have on somebody. Like that's the legend that I wanted to stick here. So I even have an, a couple sections in here where it talks about how like, you know, maybe the allied forces were retreating, but all of a sudden Elon took the field and now the tide turns and you know, the allies come out victorious and I wanted Elon to be that like high watermark of society where it's like, hey, this is what you can achieve if you try. So 
Gotcha. Yeah, that just reminds me of watching the Clone Wars and all these impossible battle scenes. And then, yeah, uh, Journal Skywalker comes through, handles his business, possible scenarios. So, how is Alon connected to the rest of the world? So, a few of the NPCs that the party uh, has met and will meet were actually very close buddies with Alon. So, part of the backstory that I wrote for Alon was that he was a, a basically a nobody who rose up through his own, you know, he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. He kind of made his own name. And as he was doing so, he got an adventuring party who kind of helped him free the, the local area from uh, some thugs and some bad people. Then he went out into the wilderness and slayed a few monsters, earned a name for himself, put down a few assassination attempts of the local king. Was that standard kind of saying kind of a lot but he was that standard of like this is your D party right here you got the human fighter who's super strong super brave goes in head first you have your dragonborn paladin you have your high cleric your high elf cleric you have all of these things that you know are the good story arcs for those things and that happened and then the war happened, which elevated his fame even further because he went to war. He was winning battle after battle after battle, and he was just gaining fame. And some of the NPCs parted ways with that. So the mayor of the town, for example, is the wizard, the high elf wizard who was in his party. And her relationship with Elon was something that the party is kind of discovering now where it's like, oh, you two were an item what what kind of and how does that work so give us a time frame how long ago from our party was the time of Elon and the his legend so the war ended 150 years before the events of our story and, you know as elves live a long time she is you know uh, she's a good age she's at that like She's in elves live a long time, right? But they don't actually age until like the very end. She's, you know, somewhere in that happy middle. Kind of like uh, you watch Lord of the Rings, you see Elrond with Isildur not throwing the ring into the fire. Then you see him with the fellowship hundreds of years. Later. <laughs> and he's barely changed. It's, it's like that. And that actually has a lot yeah. of interesting implications in the world, too, because a lot of human history, like in our world, was lost just because people get old, people die. They stop telling stories or the stories change because the person who originally told it's gone. Well, it doesn't happen in this world because you have elves who live long afterwards and can tell those stories for a lot longer. They were they. They were there. Yep. <laughs> the day they shrink, the men failed. It's short. It's not copyright. We're fine. So I see also in here, Elon had a mentor of sorts, Tenille. Can you tell us about Tenille? Sure. Yeah. Tenille was, well, not to uh, give 
too much away, but Tennille was the other half of the equation during the war. So Elon was the hero of Elysia that rose to become general in the army and special forces commander and went on these secret dangerous missions. But Tennille came from the neighboring Republic of Lamora, and she was basically the Elon version to her nation. And when they started working together, it was this back and forth where Tennille was the stalwart defensive person who would draw all of the enemies to her. And Elon would come in and use his ambition and uh, force of will basically to push his way through. So they were, they were much like the hammer and anvil of those days. The, it reminds me of some of DC comics where Aquaman and Wonder Woman are like the heroes, the leaders of their, their origins, their, their tribes. Not, neither one of them is really Superman, but they're both like the heroes from their, their mm -hmm. ranks. Yeah. The, the main kind of inspiration that I had for these two people was um, back again to, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, huge Star Wars fan my entire life. And the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin during those, those prequels, you know, cheesy writing aside, the actual dynamic of them in the battles and during situations when it got tough, you had the, the cunning, would rather talk than fight Obi-Wan and the brash, ambitious, arrogant Anakin, and they worked, they complemented each other perfectly to always win because when you would defend against the bold and brash attack, you would lose to the slow and stalwart defense or vice versa. So that was always an interesting relationship dynamic. And that was kind of the inspiration between having two people from these sides, from, you know, the neighboring kingdoms working together. Yeah. Awesome. So where would you like to take us from here? I think the last thing I would like to talk about would probably be the King Arthur of my world, so to speak. Okay. Well, we'll take a we're back for our last installment of Behind the Scenes of Fate Reforged with our DM, Andrew Edwards, going to closest thing to our Arthurian legend in this world. Andrew, tell us about this hero. So Aelamon the Great is essentially the King Arthur of this world. Arthurian legend was pretty much like the first great Con, uh, novel of our world and it shaped a lot of the storytelling that happens here in in our in our world even the the formula has been studied so much that people have written books about it it's called the hero's journey and you know you base all of that basically on the legend of king arthur because it's such an instrumental and monumental tool that people use as a storytelling device. And even before that, you have your great kings of, you know, you have your Nebuchadnezzar, you have your King David, you have Julius Caesar, you have all of these big, huge historical people. 
And so I figured, you know what? I think it would be great to have a legendary hero that spawns everybody's kind of narrative of how heroes act in this world. So, Aelim the Great was one of those people I felt like I could use to kind of explain the origins or the before time of how the continent kind of came to be how it actually is in our story. So, and I, I mirrored it a lot of, of our world where before the great kings and the empires and things, there were city-states and everybody lived in the city-states. And even though they were a couple miles from each other, you know, during one period, there'd be enemies and then they'd be friends to fight off the Persians or they'd be rivals duking it out like, well, my city's better than your city. And a lot of that stems from people gathering in a region and then that's your identity. And so the way that our civilization kind of grew out of that is kind of how I wanted to show the story of Aelaman. So everybody in the origins of our planet that we are using for our homebrew edition game was like that. They all lived in city-states that were independent of each other. Alliances were always fragile and they never really lasted longer than one or two generations until an evil red dragon came and basically enslaved them all. He used their weaknesses against them, turned them against each other and said, all right, well, you guys are so busy bickering amongst yourself. I'll just scoop up all of the gold in this land and all the power. And Aelaman was the, the, the chosen one basically who got the magical sword from the goddess. And he went and slayed the dragon and became the first great King that ever united all the peoples under one banner. Yeah. And what, what a fitting play in for tropes and tabletops. Just you, you, you have the, I like that we're leading into like, we've got King Arthur, we've got Anakin, we've got every dragon ever who's, who's ever been there. This playing into it. We're going to be able to kind of seeing that world ethos, seeing how the world ethos is built. I think it helps me as a player understand the the realm that I'm I'm playing in, the sandbox that's being created. Also just kind of deepens that, that history and makes it a little bit more palpable. Now, not everybody's going to get a chance to come and take a look at this in depth, and you may not ever hear of these characters directly. Of course, this is the history of the world we're in. But while we're taking a look at this World Anvil page, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and take us to how somebody could navigate to learn more about our characters or updates that are going on in the world after each session. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the main page here once I can find it. So we as players all have profiles on here where we were able to update. If you haven't used World Anvil, they're not a sponsor. You totally could be though. But uh, where it's kind of like it's with this weird like social media platform for your players, for your characters, to where like me is A and Balinor can go in and like have here's my posted update 
Aeon's filling this. Like it feels a little <laughs> bit like MySpace 2011, where. So the main purpose of the website is basically to kind of create like a wiki site for your campaign. But John is completely right. There's this also this other side of it where you can just go in and post like what your character is thinking of. Like, oh, I can't believe this person said that to me. I can't believe this town guard didn't let me in here. And there's that social media like tweeting like, oh, man, this is worst day ever. And then the other characters can reply to that in character and. Let's be clear. We have not used that at all. At least I haven't <laughs> touched that. Like I initially set up the character. I haven't touched it since. Yeah. Uh, I think we like made some jokes with it, but we can come back and we may, we'll probably be updating this page as we get new artwork done. One of our players, Ethan, it's also does graphic design, uh, currently designing uh, some updated character models. We've used a few reference points that we put up here for our characters. And maybe one day, uh, Steven will tell us more about Milo other than just he's a young ranger in training and a halfling. But <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> we'll get that down the road. So, Andrew, take it away. Show us what, tell us what we're looking at. Right. So on the main world anvil page for my campaign, if you scroll down towards the bottom, then the center column, there are all of the characters in the campaign. So if you want to know more about Cypress Ironwood, you can go ahead and scroll on down, click on his page. And it'll take you to his social media page, essentially. You've got the big character arc portrait, which we are currently working on getting updated. You can click on the About tab. You can learn about who is this person. How tall is this person? What color are Cypress's eyes again? Ah, yes. Okay, so it says here. And then if TJ updated this, you would be able to see equipment, scrapbook, all the photo galleries. Once we start getting fan art and stuff, he can start putting that in there. And you can do that for any of the characters that are on this page. So, yeah, this is the social media thing you could look for. You can also find these maps as well if we go back. In fact, I think it even shows it on the left-hand side. You can just click View World or click Maps. So not just the world map, but we can also go through and look in our, our area. So Braven. This was the world map we showed you at the beginning. And then say we go forward a little bit more, scroll down, the town of Braven in our area. So this will continue to be updated. We actually tweeted this out. Uh, we do have an official Twitter account as of the past uh, couple of days. So for right now, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, if you want to stay up to date with new episodes or new content we put out there, you can follow us at Tropes Podcast on twitter at tropes podcast so you'll get notifications we have artwork that comes out where there's updates for the world anvil page you will be able to see it there so hopefully this gets you a little bit of an idea of the world and sandbox that we'll be playing in in this dnd 5e homebrew campaign fate reforged so make sure you subscribe share these episodes with a friend Anything you can do to help us spread the word. We thank you so much for listening. And thanks for listening to this special episode of Fate Reforged Behind the Scenes.